What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. This is probably a little surprising to you since Monday of Fight Week is usually fighter to watch for the upcoming show on Saturday. But we're going to change things up here a little bit at the newsletter. And the reason for it is this. First and foremost, fighter to watch isn't going anywhere except to Tuesday. I think it's a little bit closer to us starting to really talk about Fight Week and, and the fights that are happening. And so it feels like it fits a little better. And historically, Tuesday was a day where I talked about something that pertained to the card or kind of looked at the media in terms of the card or or just talked about something that was on my mind and, and remained on my mind for maybe the previous weekend. Whatever the case may be, I kind of jumped up on the soapbox or puffed out my chest and, and waxed intellectual about something. And we're just going to move that to Monday. And we're going to move it to podcast form because I really do like this format and I want to use it more because I do think there are more people that want to listen to stuff than there are that necessarily want to read 1,500 to 2,000 words of me going on about something that maybe they don't necessarily care about, whereas they can put this in, play it at one and a quarter or one and a half speeds and just bomb through me talking about whatever I'm talking about. And so... This debut voyage on a Monday morning goes back to something from last week, goes back to something from last Thursday, where it was finally announced that the June 25th main event for that fight card is going to be a lightweight fight between Armin Saryukin and Matoish Gamrat. Two fighters currently ranked in the top 15, Saryukin at number 11, Gamrat at number 12, who are athletes that I'm very high on, very keen on. Athletes that are on nice winning streaks individually, respectively. Um, and athletes that I think and many other people think are going to be long-term factors in the 155-pound weight class. So Thursday afternoon, this gets announced. A friend of mine, Shaquille Majuri of CBS Sports, tweets out this question. And he's just posing the question. Let me be clear. Shaq is just posing this question. Is Armand Saryukin versus Matoish Gamrat the worst main event fight in UFC history when it comes to name value? I responded, because I tend to respond sometimes. So let's get into the first part of this. So I responded that instead of posing this question, and I know Shaq, actually it says Shark, so there's a new nickname for you, Shaq, isn't saying it's a bad fight. Tell people why it rules. These are top 15 fighters on impressive streaks, and if folks in the sport ask these questions, what message does it send? That led into a tangent discussing kind of, you know, the role of media in this sport and whether media is supposed to promote fights. And, and one of Shaq's colleagues, Brent Brookhouse, formerly of MMA Junkie, formerly of Bloody Elbow before that, another guy that I like a great deal whose opinions and ideas about these things I, I appreciate and I value. And Brent and I had a conversation about it on Twitter. And, and I want to start by saying that posing the question isn't necessary, isn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with posing the question. There's nothing wrong with Brent's response. There's nothing wrong with anything Shaq said in the interaction we had. Everybody comes at these things from different positions. And so I needed to do a better job myself of clarifying that I didn't mean tell people why this fight rules 
as a manner of, hey, go out and carry water for the UFC. Not in a matter of, by the way, don't miss this fight only on UFC Fight Pass or whatever it's on ESPN+. Plus. What I mean is, when I say that, when my, respond to Shaq, my response to Shaq is tell people why this rules. What I feel, and I said this to him later in the thread, is that there are so many times these days where members of the media pile on these fight cards and pile on these athletes and tell fans that look to them for insights, that look to them for guidance and information about these cards, that you don't have to care about this, that these people aren't worth your time. And if we're going to say that about these two athletes in particular, I think that's incorrect because as people that cover this sport, I think we need to know that these two guys, not only are they top 15 fighters right now, but they are two ascending fighters in one of the two to three best divisions in this sport, most competitive divisions in this sport, and winning five straight fights, as Armin Saryukin has, or earning three straight finishes, as Matoish Gamrot has, in the UFC lightweight division, is incredibly hard and speaks to the quality of these athletes. And if people that are paid to cover this sport and report on this sport and know these athletes step out and constantly say, I don't know these athletes. These people don't deserve to be main events. Why is this the main event? It conveys to the masses that don't pay as much attention as we do, that don't have as much understanding and information as we do, that these people are not worth their time. And that just becomes a snowball down the line that if they can't headline this, how can they compete for titles? How can they fight those name brand guys that that those fans maybe do know. And that was the origin of my question. That was that the origin of my response. That's where it comes from. Is a position as somebody that covers this sport, that tells these stories, that has written stories on both of these individuals on their way up the ladder as they're progressing, that included both of them in fighters to watch for the year for the lightweight division, that thinks very highly of them and wants more people to understand who they are and to pay attention to who they are and understand that they're ultra talented fighters in a tremendous division where I think the winner of this is going to land next to one of those named fighters that everybody knows, that everybody likes, that everybody wants to see. And so I want you to get on board now so that there's more people paying attention so that there aren't these scores of people saying, I have no idea who these people are. I'm a huge UFC fan, but I have no idea who these people are. And that's where we get to the second piece of this as I hit my, my pop shield. So the second part of this is that, you know, a bunch of people pop out in the midst of this discussion and say, hey, look, I'm a huge UFC fan, never miss a card, and I don't know who these guys are. I'm not here to litigate anybody's fandom. I'm not here to be arbiter of what a good fan or bad fan or levels of fandom there are. What I will tell you is that personally, I get a little suspicious. I think it's a little suspect when you're rushing out and saying, I never miss a card. I rarely miss a card. And I have no idea who these guys are. 
because here's who these guys are. So Armin Saryukin is 18 and two overall. He's five and one in the UFC. He's been in the UFC for three years. He debuted with a loss to Islam Mahashev in a fight that was far more competitive than anyone expected to be expected it to be, and that instantly made everybody that knows these things and understands this sport and understood even back then three years ago how good Islam Mahashev is, sit up and go, who is this kid that just went three hard rounds with him off the hop in the UFC? Since then, Saryukin has defeated Olivier Aubin Mercier on the main card of UFC 240, which was in Edmonton, Alberta, headlined by Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar. He defeated Davy Hamosh on the prelims. He defeated Matt Frivola in the featured prelim of the UFC 257 card. That one was Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor as the main event. He defeated Christos Yagos on the main card of a fight night show. First round stoppage win. And most recently, he absolutely brutalized Joel Alvarez on the main card of another fight night event. Uh, this time headlined by Islam Mahashev and Bobby Green. A card that everybody, super excited that Bobby Green's, get look at Bobby Green getting this opportunity to headline against the guy that's on the way up, that everybody's paying attention to, that everybody's talking about as should be, might be the next guy in the division. And so if he's fighting on those cards, if he's on the main card of three of his last five shows and the feature prelim of the Dustin Poirier-Conor McGregor show and he's winning all these fights and people that, that pay attention to this sport closely, that cover this sport, know who he is and are talking about him, I find it hard that ardent fans, that people that say I, I never miss a show, don't know who this guy is. Which brings us to Matoish Gamrat, who has been in the UFC far less time, a year less, debuted on Fight Island in a, with a loss, split decision loss, to Guram Kutateladze. Close fight, competitive fight. That was the first loss of his career. Prior to that, he had gone 20 wins and one no contest under the KSW banner, where he was a two-division champion. Since that loss, he has rebounded with a second-round knockout win over Scott Holtzman, on the prelims that aired on ESPN of the ABC show with Marvin Vittorian. I can't remember who he headlined against. It might have been Kevin Holland. It might have been Darren Till. I'm still not. I don't remember. Then he was on the main card of an ESPN show where he submitted Jeremy Stevens, longtime UFC veteran Jeremy Stevens guy. Everybody knows. Everybody pays attention to. Love to see him fight because he's always entertaining. Submitted him in 64 seconds with the Kimura. Beautiful finish. And then after that, he's on the main card, gets a second-round stoppage win over Carlos Diego Fajera, who was ranked in the top 15 for the last three or four years, has been in some big fights, has been in some, some quality fights, I should say, within that division. And so three straight wins for Gamer. And again, I struggle when I see the response from fans, I see the response from media when Jeremy Stevens gets released to believe that people that pay attention and know Jeremy Stevens weren't paying attention and, and recognizing a victory like the one Gamrot had over him just last year. This isn't like it was, you know, many moons ago. These are these are recent events that we're talking about. These are fights, these these great performances 
over the last three for each of them are all within the last 18 months. And so I struggle with, with understanding how in the span of 18 months you lose sight of, you lose track of these emerging lightweights in a division that is just rich with talent. And everybody that I know that covers this sport feels the same way about these people, that they are both on the ascent and becoming contenders and being names that people need to pay attention to. And so in having that conversation and in continuing down that thread on Thursday, it comes up that, you know, this is one of those cases where the UFC is throwing these unknown names out there and they got to do a better job and can't be, can't be promoting these people. And my response was then as it would be now, it hasn't, as it has been many times in the past. If guys like this can't headline a fight night show, we're doing something wrong. There's, there's something wrong in the way we are covering this sport in the way or in terms of the things. Maybe not wrong. Maybe wrong's the wrong way for me to put it. For me, personally, the way I think about this sport, the way I choose to cover the sport, the way I view the sport and how I would like to see it booked... It feels wrong that the number 11 and number 12 fighters in one of the best divisions in the UFC cannot headline a Saturday fight night show from the UFC Apex without there being backlash from people saying, not good enough. I need better than these two guys who are a couple wins away from being title challengers in one of the best divisions in the UFC. And so I posed that question. I put that question out there. I don't think there's anything wrong, but clearly some people do. So tell me what the answer is. Tell me the better way of doing it. Because as I laid out, as I said, they've gone from fighting on main cards over their last, each of them, their last two fights and quality performances in prelims before, in a preliminary card fight before that. Both were on winning streaks. Both have beaten some solid talent. And, and I, listen, I will give you that the names that Armin Saryukin has beaten are less established and maybe less familiar than the names Matoish Gamrot has beaten. But he's also been around longer and he's got a five-fight winning streak as opposed to a three. And I think there are probably actually more people that remember and identify Armin Saryukin than there are Matoish Gamrot. But if, if these guys progressing the way that they have, and if fighters in general progressing the way that they have, can't headline these fight night shows, then I just don't understand and I don't know how fans and media that are critical of them headlining now expect them to get to a point where they're capable of headlining these shows later. Like if the argument is, this fight needs to be the co-main so that the next fight, which inevitably would be a top 10 matchup, can be the main event of a fight night show. Okay, sure, but do we really need that one extra fight to get them over that hump? Does it really make a... Like, if Gamrock goes out, whoever goes out and wins this fight, do they need this victory and then a matchup against somebody that fans and, and media that aren't necessarily impressed with this as a main event recognize as, as a bigger name, as a, they get, the winner of this is the B side and they end up fighting an A side, whether it's 
Rafael Faziv or Rafael Dosanto, Dos Anjos or Tony Ferguson or maybe even Michael Chandler. Is that is that good enough? Now that's not going to happen. Michael Chandler's not headlining fight night shows. That is a pay-per-view fighter through and through. So let's get that one out of there. But I just don't understand sort of what it is, what the progression is that people are looking for from athletes like this. What's the what's the correct blueprint? What are the correct steps to take? Is it putting this fight on a pay-per-view card where it's the main card opener or the swing fight on a five-fight main card? Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's where it needs to be. I would argue, though, that people are less likely to remember the opening main card fight from any of the last any of the pay-per-views this year. We're in we're at the end of May. We've had five or six pay-per-views already this year. I would argue that people are less likely to remember the opening bout of those pay-per-view main cards than they are some of these fight night main events because at least the fight night main events get that moment where they do get the promotion, where they do get the spotlight treatment one way or another. And if it's putting this fight third, I can, I, I, maybe I'm not positive. Maybe, maybe it's not a certainty, but I'm pretty sure we would hear even more moans and groans if this is the fight leading into the twin title fights on the pay-per-view main card or the big name fight that sets up the one massive title fight that's headlining the pay-per-view. I just don't think that people and that that there is a there is a progression that is going to be satisfactory for a lot of people when it comes to these two athletes in particular but these types of athletes in general. I think it applies with a lot of female fighters. I think it applies with a lot of non-flamboyant, non-Instagram, non-Twitter beef fighters. I think it applies with a lot of people, a lot of athletes that just want to handle their business and be about their day. I think that's the missing piece that, that it seems that not a lot of people want to say, right? Nobody wants to come out and say, these guys aren't big enough names because they don't talk enough shit. They're not big enough names because... They're not in the headlines in North American media. Well, that's fine, but is is it on them to go out and court the media? Or is it on the media to report about these athletes and cover these athletes that are ascending, that are making noise inside the cage, that are doing positive things in the actual arena, even if they're not doing big things on IG in terms of their fits, in terms of anything else? On social media. To that end, one thing that's interesting, and, and John Gooden, UFC commentator, UFC commentator, jumped into this conversation at one point on Twitter on Thursday and said, look, these guys are huge where they're from. Um, 600, more than 600,000 combined Instagram followers. As I mentioned, Gamrod is, Gamrod fought in front of the second largest crowd in, in MMA history for one of his KSW fights in Poland. Saryukin is a huge star in terms of his build, in terms of his popularity, in terms of the number of people abroad that are paying attention to him. And oh, by the way, the UFC, or at least Endeavor, very recently said 
that the North American market is actually the smallest part of the UFC's audience and the UFC's market. And so it would make even greater sense from that standpoint to look at putting two European fighters like this in a main event, even if it is at the expense of a North American audience that thinks they are the center of the world and the people that should be catered to at all times. And if they don't know them, then maybe they should get somebody else because, hey, we're the ones that matter. Some of the other arguments and some of the other, you know, options that got put forward in terms of the way to correct this, the way to remedy this, the way to improve the chances of a Saryukin or a Gamrot or someone of their ilk becoming more recognizable given the results that they've delivered over their two and three years respectively in the UFC. The first one, of course, as always, fewer fight cards. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say that fewer fight cards doesn't give us all more of a chance to breathe, more of a chance to digest what happens and get excited about what's coming up and not just move on to the next one. As a guy that writes about these things week on week on week on week with zero breaks, and we're heading into 12 or 13 straight weeks coming up here starting this week, I would love more breaks. It'd be great. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm right there with you. But two things on that. One, and this is the most important one, it's not happening. It's a lovely idea. It is a wonderful idea, but it is not happening. The UFC is not going to its partners and saying, you know what, guys, we want to scale back. We, we've got 42 or 43 shows now. We'd like to do 35. We're just going to pull back. We're going to do less, less events. We're going to make them a little bit bigger, and we're just going to do... It's just not happening. We've been saying the same thing for 10 or 12 years about, oh, the UFC should really reduce the number of shows. And for 10 or 12 years, they have not reduced the number of shows. So while we all can agree that it's a thing that may help, and it's a thing that some of us as as fans and observers and media members and all of those things and shit, even probably the fighters, would welcome, it is not happening. So constantly arguing that this is the way to fix it isn't an actual fix. It's just shouting into the fucking void. It's just shouting the thing that you want to see and you want to happen that has no chance of happening. So put it aside. Set it aside. Miss me with it from here on out. Because arguing that they reduce the number of shows isn't an actual solution. And I want actual solutions. I want actual ideas because if everybody's going to come to me and say, I don't know these guys and they're not capable, they're not deserving, they're not established enough to headline this show, then give me legitimate answers and real reasons and real ways that we can get to a point that athletes like these two are acceptable and established enough that they can headline a show like this. Because I sit where I sit and think, There's no way that these guys can't headline, given what they've done, given what they've accomplished, given who they are in their division and where everybody that pays attention to this sport sees them going. And one other thing on the fewer cards argument that everybody likes to make, fewer cards, you could put more names on there. Well, I would argue that right now, these guys, everybody's telling me these guys aren't 
established enough. They're not recognizable enough. I don't remember them. I'm a huge fan and I don't remember them. So are you telling me you're going to remember them more when they're further down the lineup and facing the same people, but those fights, those last three fights for each of them that have been on the main card or the last two fights, excuse me, for each of them that have been on the main card now shuffle down to the prelims and the feature prelim for Saryukin at, at 257 gets shuffled down to maybe the fight pass prelims. You're telling me you're going to remember them more. You're going to pay attention to them more. You're going to be invested in them more and the media that doesn't cover them now and doesn't talk about them now and doesn't come out and say these guys are fucking awesome and should be headlining this is an actual great main event are going to cover them more when there's fewer cards and more names that they do care about they do pay attention to that do generate traffic are on these cards these guys are going to get more attention then i don't believe it i call bullshit the ironic thing about the fewer cards argument, which means there can be more fights, more more big name fights, more and more known commodities on all of these cards, is that one of the other arguments against coming into a sit of one of the argu other arguments, excuse me, for how to avoid situations like this where you're left with, you know, these unknown dudes that just happen to be a combined eight and two in the UFC and 38 and three with one no contest in their careers headlining is that you don't stack other events as much spread out spread the wealth more again it's a lovely sentiment and when i when it was sent back to me as a response i my honest response and it comes off as sarcastic 100 and it and it still feels true to me was that i don't think i've ever heard anybody say hey there's too much good stuff on this card can we please spread it out? Now, I know I've written it many times, many places. Go check the receipts, theprovince.com slash sports, the old Keyboard Kimura blog if you can get into the archives. I've written it. I wrote it for UFC 205. I've written it for countless shows because it's a thing I believe. I've, I've written it for events out here. I mean, I remember the, the Fox event that came to Vancouver where Damian Maya was the headliner against Carlos Condit and it was kicked back from another show. I said going into that, we're going to end up with the scraps because everything around it is too big. So I'm, I'm fully on board with don't stack these shows. But I'm also on Twitter a lot and see fans and media and people around the sport ripping these cards to shreds already, given the makeup of them questioning whether these pay-per-view events are worth the price tag and we can get into the price of pay-per-views and how much they've escalated over the years and all of that stuff and fine great another day another monday morning but i find it hard to believe that the group of people that are already questioning events and already last summer right we lose francis and who's not francis and who isn't on that fight card in houston and they introduce an interim title and everybody says this card is crap. We lose Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. That's what we lost. And everybody says, ugh, this card is garbage. It was a great card. It was a great card on paper then. It's a great card on paper now. It played out to be a great card. And we see this time and again, right? Terrible card, terrible card. I don't know any of these people. Terrible card. But it's not a terrible card. They're great cards. They're just not full of names that people pay attention to or that media writes about. And so they don't have traction the way back in the day that, 
different fighters who were covered because of their performance and because of their per perception and because of where they were in the pecking order become names and become stars and garner momentum and people talk about them more. But now we talk about people who are outside of it or not competing or, you know, who said what about whom and the latest thing Nathan Diaz tweeted and Dustin Poirier's last tweet and can't we get this figured out and what about Tony Fur and we just skip over anybody that doesn't generate traffic for media or doesn't get buzz from fans that only want to hear about seven people. And so if you're telling me to then pull away some of those names from fight cards that I already hear week on end, week over week, are, are weak as cards, that's going to improve this situation. We're going to spread some of that wealth around and we're going to take an A plus card and make it a B plus card. But then we're going to take that C plus card and make it a B plus card too. And people aren't going to just complain that neither is good enough. Again, I call bullshit. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's true. The evidence of the last bunch of years does not support that argument. Again, I haven't seen people come out and say, man, this card is too stacked. We really need to do away with it. We've got UFC 2... 277, 278, I've, I've lost track of what numbers they are, I'll be honest. I need to pull it up. But we've got the International Fight Week card coming up, and it's great. It's terrific, and there hasn't been one person that said, man, you know what? We probably should kick one of those fights that's on that card to the end of the month, to July 30th, because that card might be a little thin. Or maybe let's wait and, and save one of them for August, just so we don't run out of really dope fights to throw on pay-per-views. Because everybody's in the now. Everybody just wants right now the immediate, the give it to me this moment and we'll deal with the future in the future. And then the future rolls around and they say, it's not good enough. This right here, it's not good enough. You need to give me more. But in that moment, in that present time, when they see that card for International Fight Week, there's nobody saying, hey, do away with this. This doesn't need to be on here as well. We don't need to have Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway fighting for the featherweight title in the co-main event. That should be the main event of a pay-per-view, but that's not where we are now. Because if the UFC tries to roll out a pay-per-view that has one championship fight on it, it damn sure better be the heavyweight championship. Or maybe the welterweight championship because Kamaru Usman's starting to get some momentum. But I tell you what, if they tried to make Usman and Leon Edwards, a solo standalone title fight atop a pay-per-view, you sure as shit are going to hear the same people that are telling me, let's not stack these cards, that that card isn't good enough regardless of what else is on it. Or if they tried to have Valentina Shevchenko headline a pay-per-view card, they would say, hang on a minute, this card isn't good enough, no matter what else is on it. So I'm not going to sit here and believe, as people are trying to tell me, that they would be accepting of these stacked fight cards, the ones that they feel are stacked, which to me are going to be like just through the roof because I love most of these cards, regardless of, of what everybody else thinks about them. They're going to sit here and tell me that they're, they're fine with pulling two or three fights off of those lineups to make these other cards better. I don't buy it. I watch this stuff every week. I see the, the interactions on Twitter. I see the names and the opinions that get thrown around about these fights and these fighters that are meaningful, that have divisional, divisional significance, 
maybe not right here this moment, but two fights down the road. But nobody wants to think two fights down the road. Nobody wants to talk two fights down the road. They just want the biggest name right now to the point that literally one of the arguments in this thread of, okay, what else should they have done was, well, Neil Magny's right there. Give me Neil Magny. At least he's a name. I honestly, and I say this with all due love and respect for Neil Magny, who you can, again, I've got the receipts. I've got the, the severe MMA podcasts with the receipts. I've got these podcasts with receipts. I've got old Keyboard Kimura podcasts with receipts. And I've got articles with receipts that I am the foremost Neil Magny supporter and backer and advocate. But there ain't been Anybody in the history of paying attention to this sport that has run out and said, you know what, give me a goddamn Neil Magny main event. Because he main evented last year in January against Michael Chiesa when both were in the top 10, maybe 15 of the welterweight division. And there were a lot of people that were a lot of not happy about that being a main event. How are these two guys main eventing? So don't tell me that you want to see Neil Magny and Shavkat Rachmanov, which listen... Terrific fight. Absolutely bonkers fight. Should be a main event. Could be a main event. Deserves to be a main event because it's that good of a fight. But most people don't say that or don't know that because they don't actually pay attention the way that they want to tell you they do. They want to run out and say, I'm a huge UFC fan and I never miss a fight, but they don't pay attention. There's a difference between sitting there and looking at your second screen and talking to whoever else is in the room and just cheering for your certain fighters or being on Twitter than actually watching and understanding and remembering these names. And somehow, that always comes down to being the UFC's fault. That always comes down to being the athlete's fault, that you're not paying attention, that other members of the media aren't talking about these people. And this is where the thing about, off the top, about promoting these athletes... It's, it's not promotion for me in the sense of get out there and do the UFC's work for them. But I question and I wonder where we've, why we've stopped talking about the athletes in terms of their performance, their place in division, their future potential, where they match up, where they stack up, and, and being excited about these matchups and talking about these matchups like this is a terrific fight and even Shaq had, had acknowledged that this is a terrific fight but the thing we want to do now and the thing everybody does now is start it from that negative bent of oh it might be a terrific fight but nobody knows these guys so who who cares and that to me is is misguided that to me is is a mistake it's a failing of us as media to not be out here telling the people that come to us for insights about this sport and about these athletes that this is absolutely deserving of being a main event. Whether you know them or not, here's what I can tell you and here's why I, how I can get you excited and introduce you to these athletes. And I'll stake my name next to it. I'll put my reputation, my expertise next to it. That trust me, this is a good fight. These are good fighters. These are great athletes. They might be contenders in the next 18 months. You're going to want to pay attention. But that doesn't happen anymore. That's not a thing that, that we do. Now we, 
we rail against the UFC and we tell people not to pay attention and we tell people that these fight cards aren't great and all of those things are fine and just and valid exercises for media members. But so too is saying that this is a terrific fucking fight and that we can be out there saying, God, this is awesome that these two dudes are getting the opportunity to headline because it's people like this that need these opportunities. That's the thing that's always weird to me in this is people say, oh, well, they, you know, they're not big enough names and they need to be bigger names and they need more exposure. Well, the only way you get exposure is opportunities like this and constantly saying they're not deserving or they don't merit it. Just submarines that exercise. Just torpedoes what we're what they're trying to do here you want them to be bigger names but then you're torpedoing their opportunity to become a bigger name it's a self-defeating cycle that just serves back into your opportunity to be critical of what's getting done and yet you're not doing anything to further the thing that you want to see happen and your argument for that is it's not my job to promote these fighters and fine it is not i agree 100 percent but you know these are good fighters. You know they have done enough to merit this opportunity. And yet the thing you want to talk about is how they're not big enough names to be here. But you can play a role in helping them be bigger names from two, three, four fights ago if any of us or all of us or more of the louder voices and more prominent figures in this sport actually gave them the time of day and some some lip service and some opportunity, whether it's on their podcasts or talking about them in articles or whatever the case may be, there seems to be this misconception that we as media don't have any power or any sway or any influence. And I don't say this to pump my own tires or make it seem like I'm important, but we have a voice and when we use it, people listen. It may not be a lot for some of us. It may not be the level of platform that Ariel has or that Luke Thomas has or that Ben, ben Folks and Chad Dundas have. I almost said Ben Dundas and Chad Folks. Shout out to the co-main event boys. But everybody that has a platform has an influence over somebody. And whether that's 300 followers or 300,000 followers or anywhere in between, there are people listening to you and paying attention to you that are setting their judgments and basing their decisions on the things you say. And if the things you say about every one of these fight cards and every one of these athletes is that they are not good enough and you do not need to pay attention, what do you think is going to happen the next time those athletes come around? Or when those athletes step into the cage on that given weekend? People aren't paying attention. People aren't watching. And then we're all coming back three months, four months, six months later and going, I don't know who these guys are. How come nobody knows who these guys are? Well, nobody knows who these guys are if that's the case because you've been telling them for months on end and every time they've been ready to step into the cage that this card that they're on is garbage and they shouldn't pay attention. And there's no need to pay attention to this because none of them really matter and oh, it's just the UFC rolling out another fight night card. But to me, that's both short-sighted and kind of shitty, just straight up shitty. Like it's, it's missing the bigger picture. It's missing the further down the road. It's missing that somewhere in the future, 12, 18, 24 months from now, 
one or both of these guys are going to be in the championship mix. The same way that all the people that are in the championship mix worked their way there one point or another, some of them from obscurity. And they had to get there somehow. And it was by being on these cards that you people always dismiss and always run down. And I know that I sound like I'm, I'm shilling for the UFC, but it comes from a place of actual passion and care about the sport and these athletes and where it's going and actually caring about the results and the activity and the sport itself as opposed to the traffic and the Twitter beefs and the trash talk and all of that stuff that does not mean anything to me. Because at the end of the day, the thing that matters the most and that determines who moves forward and who moves back in many, many cases, most cases, is the actual performance inside the cage, is the actual results. It's weird to me that so many people that argue against Conor McGregor running out potentially here when he comes back and getting right back into a championship picture or Nick Diaz being wild and saying, give me Kamaru Usman. I think I deserve that fight and I think I can beat him. Go out and talk about these things and scoff at those things, but are quick to dismiss the actual contenders. They're quick to overlook the people that are actually doing the work and putting in the work of working their way up the divisional ladder to get themselves in a position where their efforts, their performance, their results merit this consideration. But we'll talk about the people that don't deserve it because they generate traffic, but the people that do deserve it get nothing, and then we get this. Then we get his Armin Saryukin and Matoish Gamrot, the worst fight night main event in UFC history based on name, name recognition. And if it is, I don't know. There are a few others. I think Shaq had a list going. He had three or four. I really don't care. I really don't care if people think it's the worst one because I know that it is a great one and I know that I'm going to be proven right. And this isn't about me being proven right. This is about what I'm saying coming to pass down the road. One of these dudes is going to be challenging for a title in the next two years. They are that good. They are that talented. Armin Saryukin is the real goddamn deal. And Matoish Gamrot has looked fantastic his last three fights. These guys are legit. This division is changing. Some of, this old, some of the old guard at the top of this division are starting to move on to other things and move out of the way. And these two dudes are coming. And you're going to hear about them. Get on board now. Pay attention now. Be the person that in your group of, of hardcore fans and, and ardent supporters that watch all of these shows know who these two dudes are. Because they ain't going anywhere. They're going to be back here in a main event next time out or in the co-main event against somebody that you care about or on a pay-per-view main card fighting somebody you know. And then you're going to go, well, who the hell is this guy? And somebody else around you is going to be like, what, you don't know Matoish Gamrot? You don't know Armin Saryukin? And then you're going to look foolish. And the people that don't cover them and the people that ask these questions are going to look foolish. Because it's going to be 18 months ago, you asked if this was the, the least marketable, the least, the worst main event in terms of name recognition. And now this, that, this guy's name rings out throughout the sport. We have a chance to talk about this stuff in advance. We have a chance to project and promote these people before they are the biggest names in this sport. And it feels to me like people are afraid to be wrong. It feels to me like people are, are leery of backing the wrong horse and making a mistake. 
and it's not as it's not as popular it's not as fun as going at the UFC and just being critical and just wanting to take them on for everything they do and every step they take is a wrong step and let's just tell them about it every time and if that's your angle if that's your lane more power to you it is not mine mine is these athletes Mine is these fights. Mine are the results, the performance, the efforts inside the octagon and the stories of these men and women outside of it. And I find it hard sometimes, difficult many times, to sit here and constantly be told that my work and the effort I do is both meaningful but doesn't count. And I've heard it a lot, a lot. And I don't want the lip service on Twitter of, hey man, you do great work. Somebody else come and do the great work with me. More people come and do the great work with me. It's not just mine to be done. We can all do great work. It doesn't just have to be this stuff where we're constantly shitting on everything. This is a phenomenal sport with phenomenal athletes who have phenomenal stories. And if we get to a point where the main media push of this and the main tenor of all of what we do is that it's not good enough and it's no good and it's not worth our time and it's not worth the energy and you shouldn't watch and there's no reason to pay attention. Why are you covering this? Why are you sticking around and putting so much of your time and energy into covering something that you think isn't worth other people's time and energy? That doesn't make sense to me. But those are questions that people don't want to answer. And those are things that people don't want to talk about the same way they don't want to have any actual, real, concrete solutions to figuring out how Armin Saryukin and Matoish Gamrot can become bigger names and progress to a point where they're worthy of being in the main event. Because the answer is this. In terms of results, in terms of performance, in terms of where they stand in one of the best divisions in the UFC, they are more than deserving. The same way that Neil Magny and Shavkat Rachmanov are more than deserving. The same way that most of these main events that a lot of people roll their eyes at and say, why is this a main event, are more than deserving. It really feels to me that there are a lot of voices in and around this sport that are voices people shouldn't be listening to anymore if they actually like this sport. Because it doesn't seem like those people like this sport. It doesn't seem that these people care about this sport, pay attention to this sport, are interested in in talking about this sport. They're interested in talking about the business of this sport and about the stars of this sport and about the drama surrounding this sport. But not its athletes, not their stories, not the results themselves. That's it for this morning. Enjoy your week. It's a great fight card this weekend. Really looking forward to it. We'll be back throughout the rest of the week. The usual assortment. Fighter to watch. One question. Ten things. PDPs. And then live blogging. Live tweeting on Saturday. Take care of yourselves. Hug your loved ones. Be good to one another. We'll catch you later.